0: Let us pray. Dear God, keep us from doing anything as if we were walking alone. And help us never to forget that you are always walking with us. Amen. So later this spring, Elisa and I will be teaching a class for our youth group about faith and discipleship and the meaning of baptism. And this this provides us with the opportunity to take a deep dive into scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And to ask a question running through the Bible's sprawling collection of stories, is there a grand story, a golden thread, a divine meta-narrative that runs from beginning to end? Thomas Merton, the great Christian contemplative of the last century, says that there is indeed a golden thread, and he says that the Bible is the three-part story of relationship with God, communion with God, given, lost, and restored, so today I'd like to uh, make those our signposts our roadmap for my sermon today. Communion given, lost, and restored. So first and foremost, communion given. You know, many Christians assume that the Bible begins with the story of humanity's original sin, of our fall, as it were but it most definitely does not. Instead, dear friends, the Bible begins with the story of our original goodness. And for this, we don't have to go searching far and wide in the Bible. All we have to do is open it to page one. And on page one, we discover the amazing story Oh, I love it. Of a loving creator who lavishly creates a planet filled with roses and poppies. Filled with zebras and giraffes. Filled with hummingbirds and orioles. I had to get that in. And then lovingly entrusts all of creation into Adam and Eve's good care. And on that very first page, we still haven't moved to page 2 yet, we also learn one of the most crucial revelations in the whole Bible. Verse 27, Every woman, oh, and every man too, is created in the image of God. Amen? In all of creation, We, human beings, are uniquely able to image God to one another through our love, through our relationality, through our creativity. And because of this, every single human being has an infinite worth, and dignity not to be earned but simply to be received and given and in the Bible's first chapter we're still right at the beginning we also discover the two words that God uses to describe these newly created human beings very Good. Very good. In the eyes of God, flawed and sinful is not who you and I really are. Let me say it again. In the eyes of God, flawed and sinful is not who you and I really are. It is God's image in us and not our sin which is at the very core, the nucleus of our identity, beloved by God, is who we really are. And in these first two chapters of Genesis, we see a profound communion between God and Adam and Eve as they walk together in the garden in the evening breeze. Oh, I love that image, especially as a walker walking together in the evening breeze. In fact, here we see that humbly walking with God, relying daily on God's loving presence and power and provision is what life is all about. Sadly, now we arrive at our second signpost. Communion lost. Author Nadia boltz Weber says that if God's first move is to give us our core identity, then the devil's first move is to throw that core identity on its head, to question it. And in our Genesis 3 reading, I said three, not one and two, Did you notice how sin, just like cancer, infects and distorts and twists what is good? Adam and Eve, once free in God, now reach for the forbidden fruit of being free from God. Adam and Eve say, hey, this walking humbly with God stuff is getting old. Why do we need to keep relying on God day by day? How about if we chart our own path? Find our own way, choose our own shortcuts. And suddenly, after they do, Shame and fear and misery and soon murderous violence with Cain and Abel all enter into the human story. Adam and Eve are suddenly alienated from God, alienated from each other, alienated from their own true selves, and they now cover themselves with fig leaves and hide from God behind trees. (laughs) Wow. This is not just the story of paradise lost. It's the story of communion lost with God as well. No more intimate walks anymore with God in the evening breeze. And when we actually read our Genesis 3 story today in the context of Genesis 1 and 2, we discover that sin is actually what makes us less than human. Less than God created us to be. Sin obscures and hides the image of God in each other prevents us from becoming who we really are. So today, don't we have a sense of deja vu in the story of Jesus' testing out in the wilderness? With Jesus still dripping wet from his baptism, here comes a Bible-quoting devil. Think about that. A Bible-quoting devil to tempt Jesus three times. Remember, evil's strategy is always to throw our core identity into question. Remember, evil can never add anything to creation, but can only twist and distort what is good. Just before this story at his baptism, Jesus' core identity is revealed. He is the beloved Son of God. And so, when the devil comes along, the devil goes at that core identity. And two of the three questions are, if you are the Son of God. You see, just like us, Jesus is urged to put his relationship or to doubt his core identity as God's beloved child. And just like us, he is tempted to shift his worship and allegiance away from God. Now, today in particular, I want us to notice in particular that all three temptations that are offered to Jesus are impatient shortcuts for how he will go about his ministry. Will he win people's hearts with free food? With speedy displays of power and coercion? Or instead, will he trust in the slow power of God's love? So, dear friends, what impatient shortcuts are tempting us as we enter into this season of Lent? How about as parents? Manipulation, power, coercion, or trusting in the slow power of love? I know those temptations very well. How about his spouses? Coercion, manipulation, power moves? Ouch. Or trusting the slow power of love? How about teachers and pastors? I I wrote down a list of the temptations (laughs) that come to pastors. I won't, it's a page long. (laughs) They're big. The more authority you have, the more temptation. How about our temptations as a church to impatiently choose shortcuts of efficiency and coercion instead of the slow power of God's love? This morning, this Lent, what is tempting you, dear friends? I sure know what's tempting me. We've now arrived at our third and final signpost, communion restored. And Romans 5 tells us that while sin came into the human story through the first Adam, Adam in Hebrew means the first human, that a restored relationship with God comes to us through the second Adam, through Christ. And His whole life and ministry are focused on restoring our long-lost communion with God. Our gentle shepherd comes to show us what it means really to be human, how to be radically ourselves, to be truly free by walking with God, with God. Every Tuesday, Elisa and I meet to reflect together on God's work in our church over the last week and then to seek God's priorities for the week ahead. And we always begin with a time of silent centering prayer. And then one of us, we alternate by closing with a brief spoken prayer. And invariably, our prayer goes something like this. Dear God, (laughs) keep us from trying to do everything as if we were walking alone. As if it were all up to just the two of us. Instead, help us to remember that we are always walking with you and you with us and that you will provide what we need day by day. You see, the reality is that distinguishing between what is walking humbly with God and what is an impatient shortcut is not always obvious. Or easy to find out. And that's why we need to keep walking together here in this flock. And that's why we need to keep following our gentle shepherd to help us find our way. Amen.